Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Well, today we're going to be talking about how to see through government psyops on us. It's not herd immunity that is the goal. Well, it might be the goal, but the real goal is governments that want herd response. There's a difference between herd immunity and herd response. Herd immunity, as you all know, is where most everyone's already gotten a virus or a sickness, and uh, there's now most of the population has antibodies, and you don't need to worry about this anymore. It's uh, we got the chickenpox. In fact, I used to take my kids to chickenpox parties. Basically, you wanted to get your kids infected with chickenpox after the age of about a year. So they would get that immunity and they would grow up and they wouldn't have to get shingles or anything worse. And so uh, afterwards, you kept getting those antibodies building up in your system all the time. You were immune from chicken pox and shingles usually the rest of your life because when you got older, even though you had chicken pox years ago, you are constantly exposed to chicken pox because your kids are getting them now. And then it's your grandkids are getting them. So your body is awakened. Your immune system is awakened all the time to the chicken pox. And so those antibodies are always in good force. However, since the vaccine against chicken pox, and there are no chicken pox in many uh, Western countries today, people are getting shingles because they are not being exposed as normal, as in nature, from chickenpox. So what does the government want? Herd response, meaning be a dummy and do what everybody else is doing and don't think. Run over the cliff. We're going to be talking to a rabbi today who's going to be teaching us something about herd response and we all better wisen up and start thinking like a human being can, which animals are not capable of reasoning like humans are. Do not become an animal in the herd. Keep your humanity. We'll be right back. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom, I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we are talking today about 
the pandemic and how the government is handling it, the taking away of our rights and learning not to be a beast in the fields, not to be someone who is part of a herd that may be running off of a cliff, but it's just more comfortable to be with everybody. So let's just do it. It's hard to be a human being, to have a mind of your own, to think for yourself. And our guest is going to be showing us through Jewish law that it is our obligation to think for ourselves and to be able to come to the correct conclusions. Our guest is Rabbi David Bar Chaim. He is an Israeli Orthodox rabbi who heads the Shiloh Institute, which is a Jerusalem-based rabbinical court and institute for Jewish education dedicated to Torah Eretz Yisrael. He's the head of www.machonshiloh.org, and we will put a link on the page where this show is podcasted. So I want to welcome to the show Rabbi David Bar Chaim. Shalom Tamar, and shalom to all our listeners. It's really good to have you on. Uh, We were having a brief discussion right before we went on the air, and you said that it is in everyone's not just interest, but their responsibility to know who you are speaking to when looking for advice on what to do. When you're looking for direction, you may go to your rabbi, you may go to your doctor, you want to get their professional opinion, and then you will decide whether to follow it or not. Most people usually just do what they're told because it's just easier not to have to think for yourself. But you're saying neither doctors nor rabbis are in a position to speak their minds today, and thus their opinions are not valid. And you first need to know that a person is free to speak their mind before you can get an honest answer for them. Can you go into that more for our listeners? Certainly. What we are speaking about is the elephant in the room, a very real and very large elephant, and that is conflict of interest, or put another way, simply fear of reprisal. I refer to the fact, which I imagine is well known to most, at least many of our listeners, that many doctors out there in the in the world, in all countries, many doctors know there are serious questions with regards to uh, the testing regimes, with regards to the vaccines, with regards to uh, various treatment protocols, etc., which are not being deployed. Many doctors know there is a problem, but will not say so on, on the record. And they will not say so for the record because they know they are going to be risking their livelihoods, uh, their their positions, their reputations, because there is a huge establishment with a capital E out there, a medical establishment. There is big pharma and big tech 
etc. And they don't want to be blacklisted. And it's a very natural and human response to a very real threat. And we all know about this. And this is all very, very real. <clears throat> and therefore, if a person wishes to know or wishes to ask a doctor, what is your opinion about such and such? And it doesn't have to be about COVID-19 or it doesn't have to be about this or that vaccine or, or this or, or that procedure, anything at all in the realm of medicine, one has to ask oneself, first of all, is this doctor able to A, get a real handle on the facts and B, is he able then to tell me what he really thinks? Or, alternately, is he perhaps unable to speak his mind? And if it is the latter, then his opinion or lack of opinion is of, of, no, of no concern of ours. It is, 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 it is meaningless. And what we must realize is that the, the very same thing, unfortunately, is true. And this may shock some people, but it is absolutely true. The very same thing is true in the Jewish world when it comes to rabbis. Most rabbis are employed by institutions, by communities, uh, and, and therefore their, their own personal positions, livelihoods, etc., are at risk if they speak their mind. There is no doubt about this. And that means that such people's opinions cannot be taken into account. So if a person says, well, all doctors or most doctors, the vast majority of doctors say such and such, or the vast majority of rabbis say such and such, you have to ask yourself, is, is that in fact a true representation of the reality? Or is that how it appears for the reason that we just explained? And I want to, I wish to, um, give you the background to what I'm saying. This is not a new concept that I am expressing here. This is a straightforward, unequivocal uh, position and concept in the Torah. And it appears plainly, unequivocally uh, in the Halakha, in Jewish law. And I will explain the basis for this ruling. It states in the Talmud, in Tractate Sanhedrin, regarding the adjustment of the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar, as most people will know, is a solar lunar calendar, which means the months are lunar, but we have to uh, maintain a certain uh, synchronization with the solar year as well. Mm -hmm. And that means that every so often we add uh, a, an extra month, the 13th month to the year. Roughly every four years, like a leap year. Because, yes, exactly. It's a it's a leap year, but it's not just one day in February as it is in the Gregorian calendar, mm -hmm. but it's an entire month, and that is because a solar year is a little bit over three hundred and sixty-five days, whereas a lunar year, that is twelve lunar months, is three hundred and fifty-four days, and therefore there is a discrepancy of eleven days approximately. And this has to be somehow rectified and synchronized. So every few years, we add a 13th month, a second month of the month known as Adar, in order to set things straight. Now, the Beth Din, the Jewish court, the supreme Jewish court of the Jewish people, it is their duty 
to discuss such matters because there are a number of considerations to be taken into account as described there in the Talmud. Uh, if in fact this year we should add such a uh, month or not. And the Talmud states, this is actually mentioned the Tosefta, this is an ancient source going back something like uh, 1900, 1800 years. It states, which means that in the court which discusses this question, neither the king of the Jewish people, even if he is a true Torah scholar, nor the high priest, even if he is the most righteous, pious, and most scholarly of high priests, neither of them may participate in, in this discussion and these deliberations of the Beth Din regarding the calendar. Why not? Due to conflict of interest. And the, the uh, Talmud goes on to explain, in the case of the king, it may be that he, for instance, plans a certain military action against the Jewish people's enemies, and it is preferable for him that the year not be, uh, that the month not be added to the year. In other words, uh, it will be in the wrong season from his perspective in terms of the military campaign. So that he has a, a certain consideration in mind, not even one of, of personal vested interest, but he has his reasons due to his policies and, and the function that he performs for the Jewish people. He is required to... Uh, take these things into account. But that also means that he cannot look at the entire picture regarding whether to add this month or not. He cannot look at this objectively. The same is true of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priest. The high priest on Yom Kippur, as we know, has to immerse himself in a mikweh, in a ritual bath of water, five times during the course of the, the services in the temple on during Yom Kippur. Now, if we add a month to the year, that means that these subsequent months are pushed off by a month. So Yom Kippur will be a month later, which means that the weather will be a little bit cooler, not very much, a degree or two or three at the most, but will be slightly cooler on Yom Kippur than it otherwise would have been, which also means that the mikveh in which he has to immerse himself, the ritual bath, will be just a little bit cooler than it would otherwise have been. Okay, Rabbi, let me just uh, jump in for a minute here because we're going to a break, and I just want to explain to our, our listeners, when the rabbi's talking about establishment uh, doctors or, or rabbis, etc., just think that if you're a rabbi, you're working in a, an establishment that receives money from the government, and the government says, you want your money? Get all your kids vaccinated. And they're thinking, what do I do? And then they rationalize, well, we have to keep teaching Torah, so we, we have to uh, uh, you know, get the kids vaxxed, and the doctor's saying to do it, and they're saying to do it and the health ministry says to do it it must be okay let's just do it and that's how the establishment works all right we're going to a break everybody don't go anywhere we're going to be right back shalom everybody making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time 
I am Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow. Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country. From Jerusalem with love. Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio. All right, we are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we're talking about not being in the herd. Don't do everything just because everybody else is doing it or saying it or telling you. We are human beings. We are not beasts of the field. We have a mind. We can be rational. We can do critical thinking, but we need to use it. Our guest is uh, Rabbi uh, David Bar Chaim from the Mahon Shiloh uh, Institute, and he is here talking to us about how uh, we have to understand when we ask advice from a professional, whether it is a doctor, whether it is even your rabbi or anyone else, to understand that if they are not free, if they are not in a position to speak their minds, uh, then you have to understand that they, uh, any opinion they give you may not be valid. And I gave the example quickly of if you are working in an establishment and that establishment, let's, I gave as a rabbi, let's do it as a doctor. Your hospital tells you this is our standard procedure. Now go out and do it. And even if you don't agree with it, you may just say, well, you know what? This is the standard procedure. We've got to do it. That's what the health ministry said. That's what the hospital is saying. That's what my employer is saying. And this is what they want me to do. Maybe they know better than me. A lot of people want to rationalize themselves why they can do it, even if it's against their their inner core because uh, they need to, because they rationalize that they need to. So Rabbi, you were talking to us before about uh, how, uh, how things work and what our responsibilities are when it comes to halakha, uh, which is Jewish law, etc. Where would you like to start? I would just like to briefly complete the point we were making before the break. In other words, the Torah teaches us and this is, of course, also common sense, and this should this should uh, surprise nobody. The Torah and common sense always go together. The Torah teaches us, and this is something that cannot be contested from a Torah perspective, certainly not, that when a person has some conflict of interest, even if it is uh, subconscious, because the person knows that this will somehow play out in a certain way that may affect him, that person's opinion is not is is invalid, and therefore such a person cannot be even uh, approached about such a uh, any question which which in which he has this conflict of interest. So people who speak about medical establishments, rabbinical establishments, religious establishments, you name it, uh, as you said very correctly before, if a school, if a yeshiva, a rabbinical seminary, if a any institution receives funding from a government or from other sources uh, which are imposing upon this institution a certain policy and will not tolerate a deviation, well, then you have to know that these people's opinions have been bought. 
or they are at least being, they are silent because they have no choice or they feel they have no choice. You have to be very, very courageous and or somehow independent uh, and independently wealthy and independent in mind and spirit. You have to somehow uh, live your life in such a way that you can actually speak your mind. And this is not the, the usual state of affairs. And this is something that all people must realize. Right. And I just want to insert here that many doctors that are speaking out are doctors who have either A, lost their jobs, so they have nothing left to lose because they spoke out innocently and then were, were fired, or doctors that are retired and don't have to listen to, the, quote, the establishment. That is, that is entirely correct. Or for other reasons, because of their reputations and their positions, they are, uh, if not unassailable, they are at least uh, in a more robust position and able to say something without uh, being cancelled. Yeah, being canceled. They're very good. All right. So uh, let's go. So now that we've established that, that people have to take responsibility on their own when they ask for advice, and you should ask for advice to realize who you're asking it from, because that's very important. You write here also that uh, most of the world copied China in a herd response or uh, by the fear of being being eaten. What did you mean by that? If one observes... Uh, a large herd of, uh, you know, wildebeest in in, uh, in in Africa, shall we say, or zebras or something like that. We all know how the, the herd works. We all know that the lions are somewhere out there in, in the tall grass, waiting for the opportunity, getting closer, and trying to and and, and doing their best not to be detected. When one of those zebras feels that something is not right and, and it's time to run, one of them will start running. And the rest of the herd, that is how they are built. That is their DNA. And this is a rational response in that situation. The entire herd begins to stampede and to run uh, away from the perceived danger. This is the herd response. And it's driven, of course, by the fear of being eaten. Very simple. Now, this herd response can either be correct or incorrect. In other words, either there really was a lion about to attack or a bunch of lions, a, a pride of lions about to attack the, the herd. And in which case the, the headlong uh, stampede was a good idea. It was the, the right response. Or alternately, there was nothing there and this zebra was uh, too jittery and too quick off the off the mark. And uh, in fact, there was no need to stampede and run away because there was no one there. Mm -hmm. But the price you pay for uh, being mistaken and not running when you should run is much greater than the price that you pay for having run when there was in fact no danger. Because at worst, you're just going to find yourself uh, a little bit out of breath or something, but that's about it. And this is why most of the world copied the uh, the Chinese response, which let us remind ourselves, China is a despicable uh, communist, totalitarian, atheist regime, which respects human human life. Uh, their, their respect for human life is precisely zero. We all know about the the harvesting of organs from political pr prisoners and prisoners of conscience. This is all a reality. We all know this even though it's not spoken about enough. So 
if you see the Chinese regime acting in a certain way, even if you are, so to speak, scared of being eaten, in other words, no one knew what to do with this with this virus uh, one year and nine months ago. It was something uh, very scary to most people, to most governments, and therefore they followed the the first zebra or the first wildebeest that decided to to run. If they're running, we'll run as well. So governments all over the world, uh, like a stack of cards, just collapsed and uh, like dominoes, one followed the next and acted based on the Chinese model. And this is a a terrible uh, indictment of of the what used to be the free uh, so-called democratic world that countries uh, such as Australia, for example, have become semi-police states in, in, in less than two years as, as a result. And right. the same is true to a large extent in many other countries. I think it's today, this day that we're speaking, that Austria declared a, uh, a lockdown for unvaccinated people. That's two million odd people in Austria who are not yet vaccinated. They have been. They are not the vaccinated. They have been placed under house arrest uh, due to this because there's an outbreak uh, in Austria at the present time, as there as there is in many other European countries, due to the fact that these vaccines are obviously terribly effective, and uh, and therefore uh, we we see that steps and policies that we would never have imagined could possibly possibly be accepted and condoned. In, in what used to be described as the free world have become almost standard practice. And this is something that should truly put the fear of God in us. It is absolutely right. frightening and horrific. Rabbi, it seems to me like common sense is irrelevant today. It doesn't matter because to put people who did not get this experimental uh, injection into them, when we know that if you've got... Uh, the shot, you can still get COVID and you can still give COVID. So what is the difference between someone who got the shot and someone who didn't? In, in, and especially in uh, locking down people who didn't get, get this experimental uh, injection. There are so many uh, irrational points to which we can point when discussing this matter, it is truly, it, it truly boggles the mind. It is clear, absolutely clear, that these so-called vaccines, which are, it is very dubious whether they can even be termed vaccines, They're, they are experimental gene therapies. Um, and that is, a, that is a fact, factual objective description. These injections, these substances are clearly not effective at preventing the spread of disease and even disease itself. For the record, I have uh, a neighbor, a person who lives, a woman who lives one street away from me, who was, uh, who got the shot three times, not once, not twice, but three times, and who is now, as we speak, sick with COVID. Um, and her son, uh, her nine-year-old, I'm sorry, 11-year-old son, is, is also sick with COVID. Uh, that's just one example of which, with which I am familiar. But we all know this is the reality, and the truth is everyone knows this is the reality, and yet they continue, governments around the world continue to speak and act as if this were not the case, as right. if these uh, experimental therapies were, uh, would, would 
prevent the spread of disease and a person who is therefore has not received the shot is somehow somehow poses a danger when this is clearly flies in the face of all the known facts. Okay, so hold it right there. We have to go to a break. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. back here at the Tamar Yonah Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we're talking today about learning how to think for yourself. When you're looking for advice, know who you're speaking to, know what, uh, where they're coming from, because if they are under uh, orders or under threats or they have something to lose by telling you what uh, the truth may or may not be, may be, then you have to uh, take that into consideration when making up your own mind. And ultimately, you are responsible for your health, you are responsible for your spirituality and for your life and how you're going to live it. Our guest is Rabbi David Bar Chaim or Rav David Bar Chaim. He is from the Mahon Shiloh Institute and he's here talking to us about. Uh, all of this. And Rabbi, in the last uh, segment, we kind of wrapped up why it was that uh, rabbis or doctors may give you certain advice because that's what they're told to do. And in order to keep their jobs, they have to do it. And also, they don't want to be blamed in case they might be wrong. I interviewed a, a professor from Yale University who was saying that doctors don't want to be blamed for any mistakes that they might make. Because I asked him, I mean, they see people being injured by vaccines. They see that there's cures today, uh, or treatment, I should say, for the coronavirus using zinc and hydroxychloroquine, etc., ivermectin. Uh, Why don't they tell their patients, listen, maybe you want to hold off a little bit on the shot. This has been proven very effective. And he said the reason they don't do it is because if, God forbid, that patient should die, they will come against that doctor and the doctor has nobody behind him he can pass the buck to and blame. Well, they told me to do it. The people don't want to stick their necks out and, uh, and, um, and do this. So we have to ultimately take the bull by the horns and decide what we're going to do. So where would you like to start? Let us begin very briefly with the concept of threat to human life, danger to life. In the Torah, as we know, we have the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, on which all Jews are required to fast a complete 24-hour day fast. Now, what happens if a person is sick? And of course, the question is, how sick are they? Are they able to fast or are they able not, not able to fast? 
The Torah tells us, the halacha, Jewish law, says as follows. If all available medical opinion states, and this is again assuming that these people, these doctors, are not uh, somehow being forced to conform to a certain narrative, but this is truly their opinion. If all the doctors agree this person must eat, otherwise his condition is likely to deteriorate and will endanger his life, then there's no question this person must eat on the Day of Atonement. What about a situation where the doctors are not in agreement? Some say he needs to and he cannot fast, and some says, you know, he can fast, he'll get, he'll get through it okay. So then uh, the halakha, the Jewish law states as follows. Even if 100 doctors state that this person does not have to eat, and these are all highly respected and expert doctors, they say he does not need to eat, he can make it through the fast. But two doctors say, no, that is not true. We think, in our view, that if he does not eat, his life may be endangered, and therefore we say he must eat on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. What is the halakha? What does Jewish law tell us? Jewish law tells us, this is the accepted opinion, it appears in the standard codes of Jewish law, that we do not follow the opinion of the hundred, we follow the opinion of the two, who are a minority. Why? Because when it comes to threat, danger to human life, we do not go by majority and minority. We always take the more uh, strict view. That is to say, we consider the, the even the remote possibility of danger to life. And that that is the Uh, overriding concern. The same is true with regards to experimental uh, therapies and medications, etc. If many doctors say it's perfectly safe, and also, by the way, very effective at preventing the spread of this or that virus, shall we say, and we all, we discussed a moment ago how how exactly how effective they are, but what about the, the safe question? Are they safe? Well, if 100 doctors say they're safe, but two say the truth is Uh, there are many issues and risks involved in this, uh, in taking this uh, therapy or this, getting this injection. According to the Torah and according to common sense, I would add, a person, a a person who is healthy and does not have anything, any particular reason to run to accept such experimental therapies should follow the opinion of those who say that this is a risk. So there is a risk involved. Why take the risk? According to the Torah and according to common sense, one does not do things that involve risk to life or limb when it is not imperative to do so. When a person is about to die from a certain condition, unless they are operated on this moment, then obviously, and and the chances of survival if operated on are good, then obviously that that is what we do because that is saving his life. But if if the opposite is the case, then we do not do so. This leads me to another another point, and that is that there are many people who adopt the opposite position that I am spelling out here. And that is because for them, there is a, an imagined ethical or moral imperative. The moral and ethical imperative, they believe, and this is the position of most governments and bureaucrats, is that we have to protect people from this danger. And, and therefore, everyone must, for example, become vaccinated, whether they want to or not. And it doesn't matter whether people wish to, whether people like the idea. It, the concepts of my body, my choice, for example, now make uh, are not relevant, even though they once were the most relevant consideration. Now there's no such thing as my body, my choice. Now we're telling you, we are mandating that you must accept this therapy. Why? 
because that's what we say and because we we think it, it is the moral ethical thing to do people adopt a this this becomes a, a kind of religious and cult mindset and therefore people become entirely uh, almost deranged when it comes to these discussions it's almost impossible to have a rational discussion with people who think otherwise on these matters precisely for this reason because they feel that they are saving the world they are in a re religious redemptive mode mm -hmm. the kind of messiah mode and this is of course something irrational and something which cannot be accepted so what people need to do is to stand up for their innate rights it has to be stated the reason that human beings have rights is not because a, a given document such as the bill of rights or the constitution or anything else granted them these rights the reason a human being has innate intrinsic inalienable rights is because they were created in the image of God. And that is why human beings have intrinsic value. And we fail, if we fail to acknowledge our intrinsic values and, and our essential rights, we do so at our own peril. We have to insist that we have the right to decide uh, to which doctor or which rabbi to turn. We, we must insist upon our right uh, in this case, to reverse the argument of the those in favor of abortion, our body, our choice. You don't get to decide for, for me what I will uh, ingest or what uh, therapy I will accept. It is my choice, and that is something inalienable. It is immoral and illegal to force a person to act against their conscience and against their better judgment. Most people want to do the right thing, uh, and if someone is vacillating, they don't know what to do, what would your suggestion be? And then we have to wrap it up. I think people need to discuss these things with their family members, with their friends and acquaintances, and form action groups. And in countries where this is possible, to bring uh, legal action against whatever body it is that is trying to infringe upon their innate rights to decide how to live their lives, and, and or those who threaten their, their livelihood, etc. There is strength in numbers, and where you have, for example, a class action uh, in, in a court, it is a much more powerful statement, and there is, it is taken more seriously than an individual who turns to a legal system, assuming that you have a legal system to turn to. In some countries, uh, such as Israel, there's nowhere to turn to. Simply, there is there is no constitution, by the way, in Israel, and and uh, there is no court to turn to. But in the U.S., for example, things are different. So, uh, for people here in Israel, what should they do? They have to band together. They have to stand up at all costs and refuse to buckle and give in to illegal immoral, anti-Torah, and, and non-common-sense demands of the authorities who make these demands because they have certain agendas. The, the concept of lockdowns, for example, doesn't bother a, a political a government bureaucrat. He sits in his, in his air-conditioned office or he works from home online, and he's fine. It doesn't bother him at all. So why would he be opposed to a lockdown? But to many, many people, these the lockdowns, for example, destroyed their lives, destroyed their livelihoods. Right. Uh, we're talking about uh, worldwide, we're talking about hundreds of millions and perhaps, and perhaps billions of people. We are talking about 
hundreds of millions of people. This is not my claim. This is what the World Health Organization claims. This is what right. the UN claims. So th this brings has, us to uh, the the reset, the Great Reset. People lose their it jobs, and it leads us to the Great Reset. It would be it would have been difficult to come up with such a scenario had uh, people like Klaus Schwab and uh, and uh, our charming Prince Charles uh, had not have told us that you know what this uh, this is a tremendous opportunity for the great reset right well we're going to have to leave it there rabbi we've come to the end of the show i want to thank you very very much for coming on if anybody wants to contact the rabbi you can go to his website again at mahon shilo that's m a c h o n s h i l o.org we will post that link on the page where our show is podcasted thank you again rabbi uh, David Barchaim for coming on the show and teaching us that we have to take responsibility, know who we're speaking to, and do the right thing. Do what uh, God wants us to do. Thank you. My pleasure, Tamar. All the best to you all. And thank you all for being with us. You can always write me as well, Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And check out the video we have on our show about what the rabbis say about vaccinating your kids. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.